0: Oh,
1: you ready? Okay. It's been good to be with you guys again. I have to depart in the morning, but uh, we will be back. We'll see you back in September. I want to talk to you about something that I believe is very important to the heart of God in this hour, very important to me as well. I'm going to ask you a question. Kind of begin. What's the point of church? What's the point of church? I believe that most people don't understand its importance or really appreciate its relevance and don't understand what the church exists to do. Now, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but the word church that was understood in Jesus' day, it comes from a Greek word, kiritodon. Now, I took eight years of Greek, so give me a little slack here simply means a religious meeting place. But you don't find that word in the Bible. The etymology of the Greek word shows it since the, do you know the word etymology? The historicity, where a word came from. Like you, if I use the word gay right now, 20 years ago it didn't have that meaning that it has now. It, had a, it has a history, an etymology, an evolution, a development, that's what it's talking about. But the etymology shows that since the 1500s, we have used that word for church. And sadly, that's what the church has become, a religious meeting place. So people gather together on Sundays or whatever time, a religious meeting place. But that's not what was authorized in Scripture. Remember Matthew 18, Jesus says to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my Church. church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it but he used a totally different greek word. He used the word ekklesia. It's used 116 times in the New Testament and it's translated unfortunately church. <laughs> but the word doesn't mean church. It's a completely different word than the word karidadon. What you need to un- what happens to translators, they always translate within their culture, within their definitions and according to the tools thus we have the message what is that it's a pretty modern 21st century using our terms today so it made sense that the word church would be used but Jesus never created a religious gathering place so he uses the word ecclesia so what's church to you How many of you go to church or have gone to church to study the Bible, to learn from the Bible? Okay. Now, in Jesus' day, he would have said, then I will build my synagogue. Because the synagogue was a place where they did that, where they taught the Scriptures. But he didn't use that. How many of you go to church to worship? And he could have said, I will build my temple. But he didn't say that because the temple for the Jews was their place of worship and sacrifice. So what is church to you? The problem is we lose something in the translation. So Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my synagogue, a place of teaching. He didn't say, I'm going to build my temple, a place of worship. He used a Greek expression, which was understood by, all. it was a street friendly term. But it doesn't mean church as you and I might define it. He used a word that was street-friendly, and he said, I'm going to build this ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I want you to make a couple of mental notes. Whatever he was going to build, he saw it as a living expression of the kingdom of God and all that the kingdom of God is. So it was much more than what we call church. People gathering together who claim to have a faith in God in fact, what he was talking about would have the capability of breaking into hell itself and freeing hell's captives. Remember Jesus said in Matthew sixteen 19, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I really don't care how you interpret that. As long as you understand that it means you hold the keys to the resolution of every man's need. Okay, I'm three. We can go.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> now, in order to understand what the ecclesia is, you have to step outside the religious mindset. You have to see how Jesus spoke it because he wanted them to clearly understand something. You're not going to find that word, the definition I'm about to give you, in Strong's Concordance because the translators define words by the definitions that were culturally accepted in their day, which actually changed the meaning of what Jesus wanted to communicate. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. All right. Come on, you beast. There you go. So we translate the word ecclesia: ek, out, kaleo, the call out, the called out ones. Now, that wasn't the understanding of the people in Jesus' day. If you research the etymology, you're going to find where the word comes from and what the people understood Jesus spoke. I'm going to give you the definition. You ready? A gathering of ordinary people called together into one place to form a legislative body who have the authority to make legally binding decisions. One of the joys I have as a teacher, I enjoy etymology. I enjoy looking at what a New Testament word means, what did it mean in in, in classical Greek, what did it mean in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And watch that evolution. That's where you have to go to understand and define this particular definition. Let me say it to you again. The ecclesia is a gathering of ordinary people. How many of you qualify so far? Call together into one place. Maybe hey, we're here to form a legislative body. We'll talk about that. Who have authority to make legally binding decisions. That is why Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my synagogue, a religious gathering place so i can teach the scriptures or i'll build my temple a place of worship because you are the temple mm-hmm. instead he said i'm going to build my ecclesia gathering place ordinary people call together one place form a legislative body who have authority to make legally binding decisions now i'm going to say that about 20 more times four or three. through so the only reason for an ecclesia was not to come together to have deep discussions and go away better educated That's a good point, Bob. (laughs) The only reason for an ecclesia was to come together to make legislative decisions. Remember, we're talking about prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, if you really believe this, you're going to have a total different mindset about the gathering of God's people. You stop coming to a religious gathering place and start being the ecclesia, you'd realize that there is an authority in our gathering together that cannot be reproduced in any other form. (laughs) So what we've done is subconsciously we've devalued the church to the common definition of a religious gathering place. We've depersonalized it to a structure. We've viewed it as an institution. We've always seen it as an organization. We're gripped by a self-centered belief system. And it isolates and defines the purposes of God to us and us alone. So we make our decisions according to what we like or don't like. What we prefer or don't prefer. What makes us comfortable or makes us uncomfortable. What I'm attempting to show you is we have a self-centered belief system that has gripped us and is hindering us from stepping into the ecclesia of God. I want you to look at another verse. 1 Corinthians 11.30 For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. If he does not judge, it's the word to judge through, it means to discern. If he does not discern the body rightly. He's not talking about your toes. Don't read what's not said. He's not saying all people die and are sick. That's. And this is the reason. But rather, he says, many die and are sick. And here's the reason you have not grasped correctly what is the Lord's body. Mm -hmm. I wonder what he's talking about. So here's the health warning. It's attached to necessarily understanding what Jesus said when he says, I'm going to build my ecclesia. There's no protection in merely coming together to a gathering place. We have to be part of the ecclesia of God. And within that ecclesia, there's a power that will take weakness and sickness off of us and stop us from dying prematurely. Is this, am I the only one who gets excited reading this? I mean, sheesh. Let me take it a step further. If you want to understand the purest expression of any truth, always go back to its origin. In hermeneutics, we call it the law of first mention. Where's first mention? Okay, question. All you Bible scholars. Where's the first mention of the shedding of blood in Scripture? Yeah. Careful. <laughs> the the land that I... If you were taught as I was taught, you probably believe that the first mention is when Adam and Eve sinned and skins were used to cover their nakedness. Adam, the animals were killed, blood had to be shed. I want you to consider though another verse, would you? Just another? Just let me challenge you. Genesis 2.21 So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at that place. If you had to open up bedside to remove a rib in order to build a woman, how many of you know <coughs> there's probably shedding of blood? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking to our, our resident medical. <laughs> so the first shedding of blood was not to cover man's sin, the first shedding of blood was to create the woman. Now, when I pause, it's not because I don't know what to say. It's because that was really profound. You just need to kind of think on that. Another important insight is found in Genesis 128. God blessed them. He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, every living thing that moves on the earth. The trouble was that when the blessing originated, only Adam was created. So the truth is, Adam, blessed of God, called of God, anointed of God, in fellowship with God, the blessing on his life couldn't come to pass until the woman was created. It's impossible for the blessing on Adam to become reality without the woman. It's biology one-on-one. Come on, guys. How many of you agree Adam was blessed? He had a prophetic decree from God Almighty to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That carries some weight. But he could not fulfill that decree without the woman. So we go to Genesis 2:18 for 2:18 for the creation of woman and the Lord God said it's not suitable for man to be alone I'll make a helper suitable for him Not good for man to be alone everything God had blessed man could not achieve alone nothing can happen so God does the animal thing <laughs> creates and names all the animals remember I'm sitting there watching him. Don't you know? I don't know. I I crack up reading some of this stuff. I mean, it's. I wonder what he was thinking, man. He sees a horse go by. You know, a hippopotamus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a giraffe. Oh lord. <laughs> well, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> And it says, For Adam said there was not a helper suitable for him, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept, took one of the ribs, closed the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned a woman from the rib, which he had taken from the side, brought her to man. And then man said, (laughs) All right, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woe man, because she'll bring woe into men. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because she was taken out of man. (laughs) For this reason man shall, Wait a minute. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, just make a couple of mental notes. What an incredibly strange thing to do. God's already formed the universe, put the stars in place. Everything is working just as it's supposed to. Solar system functions, gravity functions, everything's in order. Then God decides to do this surgery thing. (laughs) Now, why didn't he just make a woman? Come on, you created students. Learn to ask
0: questions.
1: (laughs) Why the surgery method? Why the shedding of blood? If that's not enough, God adds, for this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. As far as I know, Adam didn't have a mother. What a statement. Nor does the woman that he created. Nevertheless, he says to Adam and Eve, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Something really interesting is going on here that we are not going to understand unless we begin to see through the eyes of heaven. The only possible interpretation is that God was both father and mother to Adam and Eve. Remember, one of the names of God is El Shaddai, which means many-breasted one. Huh. I bet that challenges your mental picture of God, doesn't it? So in God, you get the unity of father and mother working through one spirit. You have this creative power that's unmatched in the universe. The same happens with us. There should be a fathering and a mothering spirit that comes out of the house of God because that is where creative energy is. I firmly believe that in the house of God, we ought to have the best of all the arts. Mm -hmm. We ought to excel way beyond everybody else, because all the enemy can do is counterfeit. Holy Spirit is the one who creates. All the debates about women in ministry is misplaced. It's not about women in ministry. It's about fatherhood and the motherhood of God. We're expressing El Shaddai as well as expressing Elohim. Elohim. Okay, so man cannot fulfill his purpose without the woman. If you understand clearly how first Adam and first Eve came into being, if you understand the working of the first pattern, then you'll have no problem seeing this working of the pattern again. Remember the first pattern's corrupted by sinful nature. Doing what I want to do the way I want to do it. It wasn't the adultery and murder. It was I do what I want to do when I want to do it how I want to do it and what I don't like I reject am I okay there you okay with that I do what I prefer not what I don't prefer now the amazing thing is as we come to the new covenant first corinthians 15 45 says so also it is written the first man Adam became a living soul the last Adam who's that in reference to Jesus became a life-giving spirit and Adam all die in Christ all are made alive so what's happening here follow the pattern guys you get incredible revelation when you begin to see the patterns because the patterns show you the fingerprint of God they show you the hand of God they don't answer just what God does it begins to answer for you why God does what he does first Adam fell last Adam not second Adam came to realign the consequences of first Adam. So the first son of God failed. so Jesus came to reestablish that order. Remember that Adam was a son of God because God was his father. But then Christ, the son of God, comes to earth as God, and is called the last Adam, and refers to the church, the ecclesia, as his body. Colossians 1.18 says he is also head of the body, the church. So, this gathering of ordinary people called together in one place to form a legislative body to have authority to make legally binding decisions, this is his body. Amen, Bob. That's good. Amen. <laughs> y- y'all aren't helping me. I got to help myself here. <laughs> are, are you with me? Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so,
1: Christ is the last item. The ecclesia is called the body. Now, Revelations 21 tells us his body is his bride. So, we have the last item, Christ. We have the church, the ecclesia, referring to His body. He's also His bride. So let's t- take, take one, one more picture and get a little more insight. John 19. I'm just getting warmed up, guys. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we'll make it. John nineteen thirty four. Jesus on the cross, approaching Passover. Roman soldiers come to take Him down. They found the thieves that were with Jesus. They're still alive. Take their war clubs, break His legs, because death by crucifixion is by asphyxiation. You push your legs up to breathe, but when your legs are broken, you can't push up, you suffocate. When they come to Jesus, they see he's already dead or in deep sleep. Have you ever noticed how many times the Bible uses that kind of terminology? And he slept? Okay, follow the pattern. First Adam, last Adam. The first bride of Adam was Eve. The bride of Last Adam's the church. Deep sleep, deep sleep, removal, removal. You begin to get a very interesting scenario of realignment of the pattern. So the soldiers go to Jesus, he's already dead, and they do something really strange. I wonder why. They thrust a spear into his side. And suddenly, outflows both water and blood. Interesting. Jesus in sleep, in the sleep of death now his side's opened up I wonder why you ever wondered why in the beginning it was Adam's side who was opened up physical rib was taken from his side from that rib God made that which only made that by which the only way Adam could fulfill his purpose was with what came out of his side
0: (laughs) hallelujah
1: (laughs) that's where you need the hallelujah without what God made from his rib he could not fulfill his destiny even though he's blessed right relationship called he couldn't do it without what was built from the rib so here's the realignment last Adam has his side opened up spiritual rib removed from his side and from that rib God makes a woman And he brings that woman to man, the two become one flesh. And this woman being the ecclesia, the church, the bride, so man shall leave his father and mother, the two (laughs) shall. (laughs) And the two shall become one. How many of you know who the most important person in the life of Jesus Christ is? Now, this might shake your doctrine a bit. That's why it's recorded in Genesis and not in John. So a man will leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I'm going to submit to you that the most important in the life of Christ today is the ecclesia. Now understand he's still related to the father. He loves the father, still works in him by the spirit. But a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They'll become one flesh. Most of you have no idea how important this ecclesia is. If you understood this, you'd become passionate about the church. You wouldn't let anything separate you from this gathering together. You'd behave differently because you would realize that, as we say in Texas, y'all, that's a second person plural. You all, plural, not just you individually, are the most important thing in the life of Christ. You ready? And what he came to do here on earth, he cannot do without the ecclesia. I'm not talking about the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, his ability. I'm talking about his own choice and will.
0: So you.
1: I just made that up. I just, <laughs>
0: Andrew knows very well. I can't remember for about
1: 10 seconds after I say something. What he came to earth to do, he cannot do without his bride. Oh, yes, he has the ability. God's ability is never in question. That's the wrong question, guys. We're not talking about a religious gathering place. That group's not helping very much. Not really changing the world. Churches go around trying to restructure, reorganize, remodel that religious gathering place so it'll be more effective. What God is looking for is the people who will become the ecclesia. Mm-hmm. The bride. Who will realize that what he came to earth to do cannot happen without the ecclesia. Yeah. Are you all seeing the pattern? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I believe is why the return of Christ is more in our hands than it is in His. Now that just messed with some of you. Because, in the same way Adam could not fulfill his purpose on earth without his bride Eve, Christ cannot do what he came to do on the earth without the church. We don't like that because we'd rather have God do things without our participation. Again, I'm telling you, you're asking the wrong question if you're talking about the ability of God. So we develop doctrines like God is sovereign. He'll do, do what he has to do irrespective of us. I want to challenge you on this point. Okay? I'll throw down a gauntlet for you. Think on this. He will only do what he's come to do with the means that he has made to do it which is the church, the ecclesia. Is it making sense? All right. Let me throw you a couple of more balls across the plate, and then we'll do something with this. How many of you know that a legal governing body needs something called a quorum? A quorum is a minimum number of people that must be present to make a legislative decision. How many of you have ever heard of the scripture in Matthew eighteen twenty, where for two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a nice little scripture. Mm-hmm. But if you read the three previous verses, you get, truly I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind. By the way, we're in the second person plural again. Mm-hmm. Whatsoever you all shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Just like in Matthew 16, it's about Authority. So this business of two or three gathered together has very little to do about having a wonderful little gathering and singing kumbaya. The British Parliament operates under the Queen's authority. So when they gather together to make legislative decisions, her authority is in their midst. In other words, when they speak, she, the Queen, has spoken. When they decide... The queen has decided. When they legislate, the queen has legislated. It's not a picture of love. It's a picture of pure legislation. As with most legislative groups, in order to pass the laws, they have to have a quorum. It's the necessary minimum number of legislators needed to be present. Do you see it? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If two or three of you gathered together in my name, not just because you love Jesus... But you come together as a legislative authority in the earth and begin to make legally binding decisions. He said, I am there in the midst. And what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose shall be loosed. And when we come together in that way, there is a legislative authority that flows out from us. Now, guys, I'm trying to help you ramp up your prayer life. (laughs) So when two or three of us understand we're the ecclesy of God called together to make le- legislative decisions and we meet as a legislative body to make decisions, then Jesus is in the midst. It's also why Paul says in Hebrews ten twenty five, do not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some. And by the way, that word assembly is not just a word for gathering. It would be more equated with what you would see on the outside of a bicycle box that you got for your friend for Christmas time where it says, some assembly required. That's the word. He's not trying to build a crowd, guys. He's trying to make the point that you individually are not the church, but you plural are the church. Which means there are some things that God has reserved for the church to do and other things for us as individuals to do. Example. How many times have you been in a prayer and you hear people say, well, in Jesus' name I bind, in Jesus' name I loose, and they get into all this. But if you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves, if you're not legitimately releasing the authority in his name because you've not come together recognizing that you're the ecclesia, we've individualized it because we thought the primary purpose of Jesus was to die to forgive sin, but we're wrong. The primary purpose for the death of Jesus was to create the woman.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm
1: remember the first shedding of blood was not to cover sin but was to build a woman now the consequence the byproduct the fruit of his need to build a woman is the forgiveness of our sin because without the forgiveness of sin we'd not be part of the ecclesia so here's the point we made it all about us (laughs) when actually the death of of Christ on the cross was first of all about the building of the bride So if this is true, my primary responsibility as a believer is to understand, contribute to, function in, encourage, believe in, participate in, the bride. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, because you're in danger of missing the point. So I come again to the question I began with tonight. So what's the purpose of church? Why do we come together? Learn from the Bible? Yes. Yes. Worship God, yes. But our primary purpose is to be the ecclesia.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. A gathering of ordinary people. Look beside you. Ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Called together in one place to form a legislative body that have the authority to make legally binding decisions. Mm -hmm. So where two or three are gathered together in his name, He's there with his authority. So today as a corporate body, we begin to bind, to loose, to speak, release, and the authority of heaven is released into the earth. Thy kingdom come on earth. Thy what? Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Authority. We become the court of heaven in this earth. The gavel falls. We're called to order. A quorum is present. Two or three are gathered in his name. I taught this September 2011. I was scheduled to speak the following weekend at a pastor's conference in Puerto Rico. I was already in Puerto Rico and I was with a group of pastors. And Hurricane Maria was heading towards the north coast of Puerto Rico. Go check it out. I'm going to do a a head-on collision. So about 35 of these pastors are sitting there. They'd all boarded up their windows, buying water and food, normal for a Caribbean island, getting ready for Hurricane Maria to hit. I spoke this message. Those 30 pastors got hold of it. Instinctively, I didn't say a word. They stood to their feet in their span. By the way, the Latinos, they only have one number on their sound system it's 10 <laughs>
0: they,
1: and they instinctively with loud voices begin to make legally binding legislation that the storm could not come onto the land of Puerto Rico if you go back and look at the history of Hurricane Maria 2011 that there's Puerto Rico, the very northeast corner, of San Juan Maria went just like this And made a 90 degree turn. Hurricanes don't make 90 degree turns. That's tornado stuff. (laughs) All we got was a hard rain. If what I'm saying to you is true, you begin to understand why the serpent in the garden focused his attention on the woman, why he didn't go after Adam oh voila I saw some lights come on he focused attention on the woman because the key to the man was hidden with the woman because he knew man couldn't accomplish what he was set here to earth to do without the woman so if he could mess up the woman he stop the man you okay? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, Ephesians five husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. There it is again, Christ died for the <laughs> ecclesia. <laughs> I'm going to suggest to you you cannot fulfill your purpose in this earth without being rightly connected to the ecclesia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe God has brought or just to such a time as this. We're in the midst of all sorts of crap going on. This isn't the first plague that hit the earth. But I think God's Calling his church to become who the, he was who they are created to be. I think if we had realized that, we'd realize we have an authority. And that the answer is not in the White House, the answer is in God's house. I love our president. Pray for our president. But the answer's not in the White House, it's in the ecclesia. I just heard President Trump talk about the first time I ever heard him use the word concerning COVID and he used the word plague. I was walking down the stairs from my office to get another cup of coffee uh, at our home. And I heard the Lord say as distinctly as I could hear him, I already gave you the answer for the plague. And immediately the children of Israel came to mind, the blood.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. All right.
1: I think I've said enough to make most of you I don't know what you'll do. So my challenge to you, let's partner with Christ to, to bring the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here, on this mountain. As we see things that may not be the heart of God. And I'm not talking about praying your own emotional prayers, but I'm talking about seeing with the eyes of your heart. We come together, we pray in agreement, and we stand as ecclesy knowing that we are a group of people, ordinary people, one place called together to make legally binding decisions. That kind of prayer is not a supplication. It's a declaration. Different gear you're not supplicating you're declaring the gavel has fallen the court is called to order two or three of us are gathered in his name he's in our midst now what do we need to declare it's up to you y'all okay mm-hmm. Ms. Jean you want to add anything well that's my parting thought as I give you something to chew on and something to think about be good Bereans go and study to see if these things be so
0: I'm telling you, there's something on this tonight. Like, if we can catch this as a group and run with it, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> mess stuff up, I'm telling yeah. you. If you didn't get it tonight, go listen to it again. Like, you know, like pray, listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, there's something on that tonight. Tell am mm-hmm. telling you, telling you.